Our first lesson for this fifth Sunday of Pentecost is from Leviticus chapters 18 and also 19. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived, and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall, not fo- you shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall reap your field. You shall not reap your field right to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the death or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God, I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court, you shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. You shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor, I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, poured on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We can, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 
Before I read a few verses from Leviticus 18 and launch into this message, tonight especially I really want to urge you to take up one of these pew Bibles. You'll find them underneath the pew in front of you. Turn to page 96, where we're going to be looking especially at the bottom corner there of 96 and also on to 97 there in Leviticus chapter 18. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. According to the doings of the land of Egypt where you dwelt, you shall not do. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan where I am bringing you, you shall not do, nor shall you walk in their ordinances. And then the words of Jesus. So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. God calls us to walk in his ways, not in our own ways, not in the ways of the world around us. God does not want us or even allow us to make up the rules of life or to live especially by this commandment, which many people think is the ultimate commandment. That you can do whatever you want as long as you're not hurting anybody. God, on the other hand, tells us the greatest commandment is to love him with heart, soul, strength, and mind, and the second greatest commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus says, do this and you will live. The Ten Commandments are indeed the rules of life. And we need to really think about these as they apply to us today in our time in history in this world. Let's take a look at Leviticus 18. And we're going to see something there about ancient pride and ancient purity. The book of Leviticus is a very interesting book, probably should be titled differently, something like How Israel Walked in Holiness with God in the Wilderness. The Israelites had lived in Egypt for 450 years. Indeed, they had picked up the habits and lifestyles of the Egyptians. God did not want them to practice the ways of the Egyptians the immorality of the Egyptians in particular. He was leading them soon into the promised land. That was the land ruled by the Canaanites. And God did not want them to get caught up in their immorality either. So what kind of immorality are we talking about here? Now, I love the church calendar. I believe in the church calendar. It's been hammered out over centuries of the Christian church's life. The church calendar is, are the readings we use every week to walk us through all the main teachings of the Bible. They're very important because they keep pastors from getting on their own hobby horse and they challenge us to continually preach the whole counsel of God. But the calendar is man-made and it's not perfect and there's always room for improvements one of the places that it needs to be improved is in this, that sometimes the readings from this church calendar omit or avoid embarrassing passages of the Bible. And I'm going to show you what I mean now. 
Look at Leviticus chapter 18. We stopped at verse 5. As you scan down from verse 6 to 20, what is the immorality of Egypt that God is talking about, that he wants the Israelites to avoid? The the immorality that he is talking about there is clearly a sexual immorality. The immorality of incest on the one hand and the immorality of adultery on the other. Now look at verse 22. That verse tells us about the immorality of homosexual activity. And I'm not even going to say in this sermon out loud what verse 23 says. I invite you to read that for yourselves because we have children in the audience with us tonight. God did not want the Israelites to continue in the immorality of the Egyptians or to enter into the immorality of the Canaanites. In their own day, these were great civilizations and these activities were perhaps very common, very popular, and in fact probably the pride of ancient Egypt and the pride of the ancient Canaanites. But to God they were an abomination. And so God told the Israelites simply, no, this is not to be part of your lifestyle as my people. June was Pride Month. We just got finished, or at least many around us just got finished celebrating Pride Month. So what is Pride Month. What are we to be proud of here? It's obvious what this is. It is about sexual freedom. And virtually a sexual freedom of almost every conceivable kind. LGBTQ is often now also uh, added the plus sign because we know that the alphabet here just continues on and on. And it is a seemingly endless list of sexual lifestyles that we are talking about here because this is a freedom for people to do whatever they want as long as they're not hurting someone else. But the problem here is that this is not according to God's will. And when we turn away from God's will, we enter into a path that will only make us hungrier and thirstier. It will only tempt us and deceive us in the end in order to destroy us. Sin never ever satisfies. And so God tells the Israelites, this is not the way of life and this is not what I want you to do. It will not help you live. It will only help you die. And so it is important that everyone hear that, see that, and read that. But I don't say this in any way pridefully myself. Sexual prohibitions in Exodus 18 and 19 are surrounded, as you noticed, by other sins. Sins against stealing, cheating, lying, being a talebearer, even uh, hurting blind people or deaf people. Sexual sins are like any other kind of sin. They are all violations of the Ten Commandments. That brings us to the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's interesting that those passages in Leviticus are paired with this parable in the church calendar. Let's remember what happened there. 
Jesus is telling a story about a Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews were arch enemies against each other. And a Jewish man has been beaten up, robbed, and left to die. Samaritan man approaches him. Samaritan man bandages up his wounds, puts him on his own animal, takes him to an inn, pays for his lodging there, and promises to pay whatever it takes to bring that man back to health. Now, a lot of people miss the point of this parable and think that the point of the parable is this. Yeah, yeah, I need to, yeah, I need to do a little bit better job of loving my enemies. My goodness. Um, a person who thinks that way has completely missed the point of the parable. And that's because none of us can love our enemies the way that parable describes it. We can try but we are never going to approach that kind of love that Jesus shows us in his own life. The parable is designed to, yes, get us to love more, but to do so by following Jesus onto the cross, where there we will see, indeed, how that parable was actually fulfilled. How Jesus loved his enemies to the point of death in order to save them. As Paul says in Romans chapter 8, God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The parable of the Good Samaritan is about ultimate love, ultimate love for our enemies. So this past Pride Month, uh, has it been just about celebrating sexual preferences and the freedom to do so, I don't think many Christians see it that way. I think they see it more as part of our culture trying to force us to not only uh, accept what there is happening there, but especially, above all, to approve it. And I know there are a lot of LGBTQ people who dislike, perhaps even hate Christians, and I know there are Christians who dislike and perhaps hate LGBTQ people. This past week, I read an amazing book that I want to commend to everyone. The book is titled Messy Grace by Caleb Kaltenbach. Caleb grew up not far from here in Columbia and also Kansas City, Missouri. When he was just a very young boy, his parents divorced, and they both took up homosexual lifestyles. Caleb's mother brought her partner to live with her and made sure that Caleb was brought up in the culture of LGBTQ. Caleb, as a young boy, marched in pride parades. And it was there that Caleb encountered some people who call themselves Christians, but I question whether they were Christians at all holding up signs that condemned the marchers, and even in one of the parades, spraying the marchers with water and with urine. Caleb asked his mother, Mom, why are they doing that? And this is something that Caleb's mom told him over and over and over again in his childhood and youth. Caleb, always remember, Christians hate LGBTQ people. Caleb grew up, and he went to high school and encountered some Christians there, and they invited him to a Bible study. Caleb decided he would go to that Bible study, not to become a Christian, but 
to learn about the Christian faith so that he could attack it. Now, people have tried that before, and it doesn't always work, and it didn't work in this case either. Caleb was introduced to Jesus and found out that he actually liked Jesus. And on page 99 of that book, perhaps the favorite part of my book, Caleb called the leader of the Bible study and said that he was ready to see what it means to follow Jesus. That's about one of the best descriptions I can think of to talk about a person's conversion. Caleb did become a Christian. That's about halfway through the book. And what follows is really also most fascinating. For Caleb did not run away from home. He did not disown his parents. And his parents did not disown him. He loved his parents even more now as a Christian than he did before. It's an amazing story. Amazing story about what Christ can do to anyone and how that change of heart and forgiveness completely changes the way we look at others, even people who don't live the way we know God wants them to live. What is important, and Caleb pointed this out, was that he learned to accept LGBTQ people without approving of what they were doing. That is really the key and the heart of this sermon tonight. Because that reality is no different for us when it comes to any other sin in this life. Holiness is defined by the Ten Commandments and not just by the Sixth Commandment, obviously. And Jesus is indeed the only one who kept all those commandments, died on the cross to forgive us, so that in forgiveness, God would give us strength now to begin keeping those commandments, all although imperfectly, nevertheless, to keep them better all of the time. But you see, we still live in constant tension with people who don't care about those commandments. And it's not just the sixth commandment that I'm talking about here. There's a whole lot of people that could care less about going to worship on a Sunday morning. There are people that don't think adultery is a bad thing, that lying is okay, that hating is okay. And what do we do to those people? Do we disown them? Do we avoid them? Or do we accept them, just as we should accept an LGBTQ person? Accept them without approving of what they are doing. Indeed, that is what God has called us all to do. He has put us here in this world to show the truth and the love of Christ for their salvation just as he has shown it to us for our salvation. We are always going to be challenged to walk in God's ways and not the ways of the Egyptians or the Canaanites or modern-day Americans. I know there's a lot of other questions that people have about this subject, like does modern homosexuality, is it just as bad as the ancient kind that the Bible's talking about? Is there a difference between the two? What about people who say they are born that way and so on. A number of those questions I addressed in Bible studies in the past, and you can look up some answers to those on our website. But the bottom line is that we are all sinners. We need repentance. Jesus saves, and Jesus leads. Leads us to walk in the holiness of God. LGBTQ+. 
does not lead in the way of holiness, nor does the pleasure-seeking, materialistic ways of so many other Americans around us either. The love of God, nevertheless, compels us to love them. This is what exactly what Jesus did. He ate and he drank with sinners. He touched them. He died between two of them, that he, both of whom he loved. He gave them and he gives us his truth and his love to save us. And now it is our turn to live in that same truth and love ourselves in order to save others. In Jesus' name, amen.